Vineyard Church. My name is Saul Cruz, lead pastor here, and um, oh, that's, <laughs> that was what I was going to say as a greeting, but I, we already took care of that. Uh, we do have some announcements for this morning. Uh, number one, through your generosity, we have exactly <laughs> the en- enough money uh, for uh, the, the banner, the sign that we had gotten a quote uh, on um, to mount on the, the front of our building here at 4212 South 50th Street at uh, 50th and F Street uh, at our physical location. Um, we will soon be proclaiming visibly that we are a church and when our service time is. Um, so 50th and F Street is our community, our neighborhood, and we always pray for God's blessing to fall on our neighbors. And um, having been with the, the church for uh, 12, 14 years, um, we have seen God's blessing come on the, uh, our landlords, right? Uh, um, usually that means we have to move, but God bless those guys. <laughs> we stay in the palm of God's hand and... Uh, we, we would love to continue to see his blessing fall on those. If we can bless people everywhere we go, praise goes to Jesus about that. All right, so that's good. Uh, so um, <clears throat> we got a design. I'm in communication with the sign company, and, and we'll let you know um, when we're going to install that and come out, take a picture, and... We'll, we'll start to, again, proclaim visibly that, that we're a church, and we'll see what happens in our community here. Uh, announcement number two, we do have our virtual study group. It's Thursdays. Let me find, oh, shoot. <laughs> Let's go into photos. That's, uh, there we go. Mm. Virtual study group. Uh, on systematic theology, and in our last class, we were talking about how even though it, it's kind of high level in terms of the content, the teacher is really good. He speaks very slowly. He, he gives illustrations. He, he takes a, a small idea, and he makes it really big, and then he brings it back down. So if you've got an hour, um, plug in on uh, Thursdays at 6.30. Uh, we send out a link, and uh, you, you can... Um, uh, just sign in through Right Now Media. You can click on the link that we send out via email. You can also, if you have the Church Center app, you can subscribe to the small group in the app, and then there's a link that you can click to uh, join at the time. And uh, so it's all, it's all pretty slick. So there's that. Systematic Theology, Thursdays at 6.30 p.m. And then, uh, oh, and then, honestly, Right Now Media is free to anyone in our church. So if there's other things that you want to look at, go for it. We also give. The Lord is generous. Like our, our, our singing this morning, right? The Lord pours out on us, and then we pour it back to him. And one of the ways that we can do that is through our, our giving of our, our gifts. We don't pass a plate here. We do have a couple of offering boxes in the, the building here. Uh, you can also 
um, give uh, online. We have our website with a, a PayPal link. There's also a giving um, section in the Church Center app. If you like to mail stuff, P.O. Box 45676, Omaha, Nebraska, 68245. And, uh, oh, I guess it's right here. Anyways, um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your generosity. We thank you for your goodness to us. And we thank you for the opportunity to get involved in what you're doing. And so, Lord, as we give to you through our local church, Lord, we ask you to bless those gifts. And, Lord, we, we pray that the investment, um, like, like your word says, that we see a 30, a 60, a 100% return on investment, Lord, that, that, that you would multiply your disciples and that we, would, that we get to be a part of that. Lord, may your kingdom come um, through this little bay that we rent. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, we've got a Bible story. We have a Bible story. You guys ready? I hope you ate your Wheaties and uh, took your vitamins this morning because this might be a bumpy ride. Let me find a... Here we go. <sighs> Engaging in risk. So this is our series through the book of Luke where we are... We're following this thread woven through the gospel of the humble obedience of Jesus, his disciples, and other followers of Jesus um, as they receive God's revelation about himself to us. And we, the Omaha Vineyard Church, and anyone that listens to us, um, we position ourselves as well to receive that revelation and <clears throat> we brace ourselves for the mindset shift that honestly, guys, has to occur when his kingdom confronts our world and our culture. So I'm going to ask the Lord to be with us during this time as we, once again, put our faith in God's love for us and engage in risk. Heavenly Father, we ask you to come <clears throat> now. Lord, embody this time uh, when we're together. And um, may we receive your message for us today. Amen. All right, so again, we're going to be in Luke chapter 4. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, starting in verse 14 and going a little ways. So you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. 
So far in our series, we've seen Jesus as a 12-year-old boy step into the identity of the son of the father. He goes to the temple. And then we, last week we saw uh, Jesus as a 30-year-old man facing temptation and evil by, again, standing in the firm identity of being God's beloved son. Uh, today's lesson is more of the same. Jesus uh, makes the risky move of presenting himself publicly according to his kingdom identity. And he does it in his hometown of Nazareth. And um, <clears throat> it starts out just inspiring and beautiful. And then it goes sideways. And I'll tell you guys, I have struggled with that middle part all week. And I'm hoping that uh, the Lord um, does speak to us through, through these uh, verses today. Okay, so we're going to be looking at uh, Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14 and going through verse 30, and we'll take bits at a time, kind of unpack them, and then I'm try to see this, this overall picture. Am I mumbling into the mic? How do I do this? Oh, is this better? Like, it's not as... Okay, that's better? Okay. All right. All that other stuff was fluff anyway. Let's get into the, into the word. Okay, here we go. So, <clears throat> again, context. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for a, a test. 40 days, no food. He's just hanging out with, with God. And the devil comes, tries to incite him to do evil. And Jesus stands firm and responds to him with Scripture. The next verse is, verse 14, Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. So just like we mentioned, I guess I, I just mentioned it, <clears throat> Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit's power, and I want to make sure that we're not just discounting that, right? Like he's, he's Jesus, right? He's, you know, he's, he's, he's God's son. When he walked the earth, guys, he was 100% man. And he, the Holy Spirit wasn't something that he wielded. No, no, no. Jesus submitted to and followed the leading of the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit's tool to accomplish God's plan. Everything we will read about is fueled by this truth that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Okay, so he's in Galilee. Verse 16 when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, 
He went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. And then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. What were the first words that he read from Isaiah? The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And what was the first thing he said in the synagogue? This scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. So this is a messianic prophecy written by Isaiah hundreds of years before, writing about the coming Messiah, the anointed one, who would, on whom the hopes of Israel were placed. So, um, in those days, synagogue worship traditionally included some reference to the messianic hopes of Israel. Jesus reads these words from Isaiah chapter 61 and states that he, it is he that is fulfilling the prophecy. He declares his kingdom identity as the anointed one, the Messiah who all of Israel has been waiting for. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by his gracious words, uh, verse 22. By the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be, they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? One of the things I... uh, I've wondered is they start put they, they start doing the math, right? He he's the Messiah. He's doing all these incredible miracles all throughout the land. We know about it. Word has spread everywhere. And now he's come and we're seeing and we're hearing these words, these eloquent words, these wonderful words that are coming out of his mouth. And maybe they're thinking, yeah, he's from Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. That's us. We're Nazareth. And maybe their little heads start getting puffed up. Because let me get into the next couple of verses. Verse 23 through... 27. Then he said, You will undoubtedly quote me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. Meaning, do miracles here in your hometown 
like those you did in Capernaum. But I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Certainly, there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the heavens were closed for three and a half years and a severe famine devastated the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, but the only one healed, the only one healed, was Naaman, a Syrian. <clears throat> so Jesus proclaims from the, the prophecy of Isaiah, he is the Messiah. The Spirit of the Lord is on him. He has been sent to free captives and restore sight to blind and preach good news to the, to the lost and set oppressed people free. And then he says, you're probably expecting miracles, but in truth, a prophet is never accepted in his own hometown. Let me give you some, some history. And I, I, I've got this, uh, this map I wanted to show you. Here we go. You guys see that? Okay, so this is the area of Galilee. It's like a county, right? It's got a bunch of cities in it. So here's Nazareth. And what's over here? Mount Carmel. You guys remember from our, our series last summer, The Real Lives of the Northern Kingdom Prophets? This is where Elijah confronted the prophets of Baal. And God rained fire down um, to prove that he is God and Baal is not. Okay? So this is the same area that all this stuff was happening. And I'm going to have to ask you to... Um, I looked at several maps, and on one of the maps, at least one of the maps, Sidon, where, this, um, where, where the widow who Elijah stayed with and, and miraculously um, multiplied her, her bread, or her wheat and her oil, is right next to Tyre. And Syria is just north of here. So if, if you, you know, went, went, you know, look, if you went, oop, if the map went north of Mount Hermon, that's that's where Syria is. So why is he doing this? Why this insightful language? So one of the things that um, I thought of was we used to watch these like restaurant rescue shows where a very successful restaurateur would go to these places that were struggling. And one of the guys, if he, he would go to the, first th thing they do is they go into the dining room, they look around, they try the food, right? Well, this one guy, if he saw a chair that had like a hole in it or a little tear in it, he would tear that thing wide open. If he saw you know, wallpaper that was peeling away from the wall. He would just rip. And 
his purpose behind that was to confront what was actually true. You're not taking care of your chairs. Why would some if you if you're that careless with your seating what what should I expect from your food? So in terms uh, of of this passage, I I see it as Jesus is confronting arrogance. He's removing filters. He's focusing on brokenness. So, I mean, what would it be like? What would it be like for these people that knew Jesus as someone that they grew up with? You know, they're already asking themselves, how can this be? This is Joseph's son. We know Joseph. We know him. The ugly truth is that we can be blind to the the people that we're closest to. It's not only part of the Nazareth culture and historical heritage, it's also part of their geographic heritage, right? These are stories that happen in their area. Jesus risks speaking plainly about his kingdom identity, and he risks holding them accountable to what is true. Requiring a mindset shift from, yeah, Jesus is from Nazareth. Ha <laughs> ha! I'm from Nazareth. Because I think, and tell me if, if, you, if you have noticed this as well, guys. There is a, a tendency, a temptation to make Jesus a part of my kingdom rather than submitting to Jesus and being a part of his kingdom. I attach Jesus to my identity rather than attaching me to his identity. And just like some of those uh, restaurant owners don't like, (laughs) hey, you ruined my chair. No, the chair is already ruined. What are you going to do about it? They don't like that, and sometimes they want to kick the guy out. Uh, The truth hurts. And uh, demand culture and cancel culture kicks in. Let me read from uh, verse 28 through 30. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff. But he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. Jesus risked telling the people in his hometown the hard truth that they were 
not likely to accept him as a prophet based on history, based on human nature. And that would, that would keep them from seeing miracles, the kinds that the other parts of Galilee had already seen and received. His time had not yet come to die, and so instead of being thrown over the cliff, he just passes through them. You know, whether, you know, they're just like flies and he just, you know, bats them aside or he pulls some ninja moves and cloak, I don't know. He goes on his way. You guys want to hear two really sad things? From my Bible commentary, it says this, none of the Gospels record any subsequent visits by our Lord to Nazareth. Number two, the rest of chapter four in Luke is how in the city of Capernaum, which we saw on that map wasn't that far from Nazareth, in Galilee, on one day, Jesus casts a demon out of a man during church. He rebukes the fever that was keeping Simon Peter's mother-in-law sick in bed. Word of that gets out, and the people from throughout the village bring their sick family members to Jesus, and he heals them all. This is the word from... Uh, Chapter 4, verse 40. No matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed every one. Your kingdom identity doesn't change when you're rejected. That's one of the truths that we can, we can pull out of this. You can be like Jesus and faithfully engage in your kingdom identity as a bearer or ambassador of the kingdom of God. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit and follow the Spirit's lead to bring good news to the poor and proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. There is the risk that some people won't believe you. As John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, used to say, I'm a fool for Christ. Whose fool are you? We all believe in something. If you do believe in Jesus, then you, as his disciple, get to do the stuff. The healing and casting out demons and multiplying wine and bread and fish. Engage in risk by stepping out in faith of God's love for you and his mission to seek and save the lost. But I've been chewing on this thing about the Nazarenes, the Nazareth people. And I can't help but see a warning 
in this passage. Jesus is going to, because he loves you and he wants you set free, he will confront the brokenness in your life. He will confront the arrogance in your life. Because the kingdom of heaven has one king, and that's Jesus. And he is on the throne. There's no room for you on that throne. If you won't risk putting your faith in Jesus, you risk missing out on the Savior, on the Messiah. The people of the city of Nazareth fell into the same trap that the northern kingdom of Israel did. You guys remember from our, our series, the, most of Elijah's ministry, the king of Israel hated him. He kept having, you know, Jezebel wanted him dead. <clears throat> Put out an assassination contract on his head. But it was the neighbors of Israel that received the miraculous deliverance and provision during that famine. It was the pagan military general from Syria that was healed of leprosy by Elisha. Human nature is not inherently humble. Humans are naturally insecure. And we, we put on a mask to protect ourselves. And that mask, we can start to believe. And then we become arrogant. I wasn't sure if I was going to say this, but one of the, the, um, the videos that I watched this week was uh, Vineyard Pastors talking about um, leading in an era of post-truth. And one of the things that they were talking about was a couple of weeks ago in our nation's capital when there was this peaceful um, demonstration that ended up with a violent breaking in and, and um, you know, crimes getting committed. And they were talking about how they were, how many banners were Jesus saves and Jesus 2020. Was there anything about the result of that day that lifted up the name of Jesus. Did the people who had banners that said Jesus' name on them and waved them there, were they making Jesus part of their identity rather than submitting to living out their lives like Jesus did?
the people of Nazareth were lost. And without the maturity to be confronted with their arrogance, to not only feel, but think, through the truth bomb that Jesus dropped on them, they turned into an angry, canceled culture mob and tried to kill him. Will we be like the Nazarenes? Unwilling to believe and violently denying the uncomfortable truth that each of us if we are following Jesus are called to be humble and obedient and to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit Will we be like Capernaum and the rest of Galilee, seeing miracles and the fulfillment of prophecy in our midst? Good news to the poor. Pardon for prisoners. Sight to the blind. Burdened and battered people set free. And the time of the Lord's favor having come. You read... Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 44. And that is what you see. You see the time of the Lord's favor come. And people receiving it. Vineyard Church, I'm going to ask you to join me. As you... Pray, however and whenever you pray. Add a little something extra to your prayer, and that is to pray for the lost, to have their hearts softened, and to humbly be open to Jesus' invitation to receive the favor of the Lord. Will we risk allowing our mindsets to shift from what we've always thought and fitting God into it to what God wants us to see and how he wants us to think and how he instructs us to behave? What might the Holy Spirit be challenging you to think about? What areas of your mind does he want to renew and thereby transforming you? Faith is spelled R-I-S-K, and we, if we are truly following Jesus, we are confronted to engage in risk and put our faith in God's love for us as he focuses on our brokenness, as he removes filters that we carefully keep in place 
to maintain our house of cards that supports our bad behavior to one another. All of Galilee needs Jesus. All of your neighborhood needs Jesus. All of Omaha needs Jesus. All the world, all the people who make up the world need Jesus. And when we say yes to Jesus... He may tell us something true that is uncomfortable. May we may we remember to ask the Lord for strength to endure healing and cleansing. Let's pray. Lord, I feel like forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive me. If my rhetoric and my behavior has been perverted and I've used your name to justify my arrogance, change my heart. I humbly submit to you, Lord. You are Lord. You are King. You are called Jesus of Nazareth. And people might look to Nazareth and say, Oh, he came from there. What a place that must be. And yet... They literally ran you out of town and tried to throw you over a cliff. I don't want to reject you, Jesus. And if there's anything in my life that is between me and you, Rip it open. Remove those filters. Take me on that journey to cleanse me and make me more like you. And Lord, as I walk out my faith to be more like you, 
May I take risks to speak the truth, as uncomfortable as it may be. Amen. I'm not sure. The segue to our blessing seems premature almost. But let me say this. Regardless of what we're facing, even when it's our own um, depravity, our own rot, we can always turn to the Lord. And let us remember this. No matter what you've been through or where you are, May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his mercy and give you his peace. All of the insecurity and the ways that we try to protect ourselves. They melt away in the presence of God's face and favor and blessing and peace. God, we need some, we need some boldness. We need some truth. And we need some forgiveness. And thank God you are merciful and gracious and a God of healing and restoration a God of favor on us mm. uh, we're going to go into ministry time and um, I'm going to start with a testimony that uh, I heard this week And then I want to open it up. Everyone gets to play. And that means you. So in, in, in the comments, in the chat, or... Ooh, pardon me. Can we have a filter on that? She, she can clean that up. Okay, good. Belch all you want. We'll clean it up. Um, <clears throat> Scott Johnson was...